You're listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. When I go ahead and introduce uh, our the missionary minister, uh, young man that's here. We were just talking. He was born. In 1979, I graduated from college in 1979. And the, he, he had, hey, junior high, you guys can take off. Sorry about that, Cameron. Hallelujah. You always got to wave to me. <laughs> no, you got to wave. You got to get up and get excited. You can't do that. You know, hallelujah. Anyways, um, you know, so, you know, as you get older, it's, it's, it's exciting to see younger guys rising up and, and, and answering the call of God for their lives. And uh, he's, they've been missionaries to China and ministering in China. Uh, and, uh, you know, God is using them in a lot of different areas. And I'm going to let him share what God is doing. But also, he's a minister of the gospel. He's going to share the word of God with you. Because I told him, hey, just preach, prophesy, cast out devils, whatever you need to do here. We have fun. Okay? Not that any of you have any devils. You guys are all sweet, all of you there. So... But, uh, you know, I, I think you, you're all perfect, so it's all good. And, uh, but anyways, you know, God's using them to do supernatural things. And, and thank God, you know, all of our missionaries that we support and we're doing, they've had challenges. But thank God they've established their ministries over there. And they've got people that are there that are on the ground that are doing, that are rising up and they're doing things. Amen? And we're seeing the hand of God and seeing what God is doing. I mean, I get so many you know, contacts from all of our missionary folks that we do. You know, we, we support 27 different ministries monthly. 27 different ministries you give monthly to uh, and sharing and ministering, and they are doing uh, phenomenal things that are doing all around the world. That's why when you die and you get to heaven, there's going to be a line for you can't even see, and they're going to be thanking you because of what you've given and because of what you do and because you're connected. Amen? And uh, praise God, then God brings us new ones and things. No, we do not monthly support him, you know, yet and all those things there. But praise God, God's hand is upon him. He's here. And he just said, hey. And I said, sure, come. Because I want him to share his heart with you. Because what they're doing is supernatural. It's a real blessing. Anybody that gives of their lives and wants to go live in a foreign country. You know, that's the funny thing about it is if you've never traveled the world, if you've never traveled and seen, you live in a really blessed place. Okay, so let's give a good, warm Harvest Bible Church welcome. Everything. Come on, buddy. Andrew Brezzi. I love you, buddy. You. Go ahead. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up one more time and just give God the glory. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love, your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Say that with me. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Now just thank him for the blood this morning. We want to make much of the blood. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you that by, by the blood of Jesus, we can come boldly to your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help, grace to help in a time of need. Father, we thank you for the blood. We're so thankful, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, thank you for the blood. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the precious blood that you poured out for our sins. 
so that we could be healed and delivered and set free and, and, and all of our needs met, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Father God, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Oh, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. We thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that washes away our sins, that sets us free, that heals us, that delivers us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we have provision by the blood. We have healing by the blood. We have, we have strength by the blood. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We make much of the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you for the blood. We plead the blood of Jesus over this church, over this church family, over every member of this church in person and online, Lord God. We plead the blood of Jesus. And Satan, we serve you notice that where the blood is applied, Satan, you are denied access in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. Teach us and bring us revelation for your glory and honor and praise. We ask you for it, Father, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. You know, it's not, not in this church, but some churches that I preach in, people get tired of worshiping God, but you, you can tell in this church, you guys are used to worship, and you, 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 it's a, a church that loves to worship the Lord. But if, if, for instance, there might be one person that might have been like, well, man, I wish they'd just do less songs, or I wish he would just stop praising God. It's not, he, probably not even, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that, that used to go here, but then they got distracted. But, but you know how you know, you know, it's nice to know when something's done, when you're done with something, like how do you, when you're done with a, I mean, have you ever paid off a bill and you're like, you had the last payment and you paid it off and how much, that felt good? And you knew you were done. Or, you know, when you were, had to, you know, it's, it's nice to know when you're coming up to the end of a work day and it's time, it's just about time and you're almost done with work for the day. How many, I'm going to give you a secret this morning so you know when you're done worshiping God or when you know you've, you've worshiped him enough or praised him enough. It's a secret, okay? How many, do you know the answer? Okay, there's... Never. That's a good, that's, that's, that's one answer that's very, very true. But, but here's the real key, and, and, that, and it's perfect. There's more than one answer. There's more than one right answer. There's at least two. And so the, the answer is, you know you've worshipped God enough when you don't want to quit worshipping him. So if you're in a service and you're like, man, I wish you could just get over with this and get on to the preaching... Or, you've, or you're at home worshiping God and you're just like, oh, I got to do this, you know, and I'm, I want to be, you know, and, and you wouldn't be worshiping God if you didn't love him. But if you, but if you get, you're like, well, you know, you set, maybe you set a timer. You said, well, you know what, I'm going to commit to worship God for 10 minutes. And if you're not worshiping God at least 10 minutes every day privately, then you probably ought to be. So maybe you should set a timer. If you hadn't been doing it, if you hadn't been doing it for at least 10 minutes a day or maybe five minutes, we can start out with five minutes. Because there's lots of people in lots of churches all over America and around the world that don't even spend five minutes a day privately worshiping God. So if you're not doing that, we, there's no condemnation. Just start doing it. So maybe you got to set a timer on your phone for five minutes or ten minutes. 
And then, but the way you know that you've worshipped him long enough is you don't want to quit worshipping him. You just get, you get in his presence and you just, I could just worship you forever, Lord, because you're worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of praise. You've been so good to me. You've been so faithful. You've been so merciful, so kind. Oh, thank you for the blood. And, and then you know that, because you don't want to quit. And you know how you know you've been in the word of God enough? And when you don't want to get out of the word. Because you you're just in the word and you spend enough time with God, fellowshipping with your father God and the Holy Spirit through the word and that you just, you don't, you, you know, you got to do something because there's things we have to do in life, but you just don't want to quit. You don't want to go make dinner for your family because you're in the word and you just, you just like, they can just heat up something in the microwave because I'm going to worship God. And if you've never been to that point, then maybe you need to set a timer for 10 minutes and start worshiping God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know how you know you've given enough? This is a smart church. Y'all figured it out by now, right? <laughs> it's when you don't want to quit giving because you just want to keep advancing the kingdom and you want to keep sowing in and we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Whatever it is that you're doing for the kingdom, you know you've done enough of it. When you don't want to quit, you're just like, ah, you're chomping at the bit. Like, I can't wait till I can do that again. Whatever it is that you're doing for God, you're just, you know how you've shared Jesus enough? It's when you just can't wait to find an opportunity to share Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know how you know you've laid hands on enough people that need healing? When you run out of people. That's a good answer. And when you're just looking and chomping at the bit. Hallelujah. And I just want to, I'm just going to exhort you. I have some scriptures and I've got, um, uh, I know I've got a message I'm going to preach, but I just want to exhort. And, and uh, this morning I've just, put, God's put it on my heart to do that a little bit before we get started. But, um, you know, the Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Yeah. And how many of y'all believe that? Yeah. And, and so uh, the Bible says, the Bible also tells us that we're supposed to provoke one another to love and good work. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a real, I want to be funny and I want to make you f- feel like happy and peaceful. But I also kind of want to challenge you this morning. So, um, so I want to provoke you. Now, when I was, um, I was born in Secret Valley, California. Anybody know where Secret Valley, California is? That's because it's a secret. It's not a secret because we're trying to keep it a secret. It's a secret because nobody wants to be born there. <laughs> so it's, if you know where Susanville is, and then you take Highway 395 towards Ravendale and Alturas, that's, it's out between, between Susanville and Ravendale, and, or between Susanville and Alturas. Um, and so uh, out in the middle of nowhere... And uh, I was born in a 35-foot travel trailer with no running water, no electricity, no flush toilet, um, no telephone. Uh, and uh, my dad was running from the call of God. He's from Orange County, Southern California, but he ran, was running from God. But um, God was preparing me for missions. He had me out in the middle of nowhere. And, so, and with, all, with none of the modern conveniences. When I tell people that story, they're like, where were you born? Like, a California. I say, California? They're like, California? You know, because when they, people think of California, they're from California, they think of, like, L.A. And they're like, nobody in L.A. Has, doesn't have running water or a flush toilet. Like, I mean, now there's a lot more people in running water in L.A. They got, anyhow, we aren't going to go that way. But, um, <laughs> Hallelujah. But, uh, so, God's just been so good to me. We, we moved to China with $35 of monthly support and a seven-month-old baby. And uh, I'll just give you a little introduction real quick of how God led me there. Uh, I graduated from Rama and 
Bible, Bible Training Center and then uh, met my wife there and got married. And then we moved back to Virginia where I was at when I was stationed in the military in Norfolk. And uh, started, we volunteered for four years after, after Rama as associate pastors and youth pastors and cleaning bathrooms and running sound and driving the bus and fixing the bus and cleaning the church and doing everything that, that needed to be done, doing outreach and um, preaching the word. And then we started spending a lot of time praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, praying out the plan and purpose of God. And I just encourage you to pray in the Holy Ghost. You know you've prayed enough in the Holy Ghost when you don't want to quit praying in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and so uh, God started stirring missions in my heart. And, you know, it's funny because when uh, I talk to people and, you know, they'll say, you know, like, me and God, we're close, we're tight. We're, me and God, we're just really, really close. I have a real close relation with God. And I say, well, you, you must have just a, a burning heart for the lost then. And then some people are like, yeah, I love the Lord. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm always sharing the Jesus. I'm sharing my, my Lord and Savior with my friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and people in the store and people on the streets every, every, all the time. And then other, other people kind of get this blank stare. Like, like they're like, I'm, you know, they, they've, got a, they've got this relationship with church. Some people, not you, but they, we're talking about the people in like, like Mississippi or something. But not a church here, but not a, Cal- not a good California church because, um, but uh, there must be, there's a, I think there's a special grace for churches in California. You just need to tap into that. I mean, serious. I mean, because uh, there's a special grace for us in China. There's a grace for Christians and believers in the church in California, and you need to tap into it and receive it and then walk in it. But um, so, uh, where was I going with that? Got distracted. What's it? Oh, and so they say, you know, and so I was pr- praying in the Holy Ghost and, and God started giving me a heart for the lost and missions. And so, you know, when people say that, you know, I love God, we're close, we're tight, you know, and then I say, you must have a love for the Lord and a love for souls. And they say, well, you know, sometimes they get a blank stare. So if you spend time with your father, God, you're going to get a heart for what he has a heart for. And that's the lost. And so, um, but uh, so as we were praying in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues and praying out the will of God and the plan of God, uh, God started putting missions on our heart. And so uh, I planned a tri- I was gonna, thinking about going to India and that didn't work out. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of a man that I'd met when I was stationed in Pensacola, Florida, where it rains every day. And it's great when you're visiting, but when you're living there, raining every day is not all that much fun, especially when it's like 100 degrees. But when you're from, from here, it's nice to have rain every now. But, um, and so... Uh, when I was there, I'd, the guy I was going to church I was going with, and I, so I contacted him. His name is Steve. And I said, hey, Steve, you know, are you still going in and out of China? And he said, yeah, we're going in, um, in uh, two months. Do you want to go? And I said, well, let me pray about it and, and, and see what, how, what I hear from the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit leads you on the inside by that still, small voice. He leads you by peace. And so I prayed about it and had peace about it. I really had a confirmation I was supposed to go. And he, and he called me back a couple weeks later, and he said, uh, he said, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to go. And he said, good, we're leaving in two weeks. So originally it said two months we were going, and then two weeks had passed, and now he's saying there's only two weeks. So I'm like, I was never really good in school. Math was my, we- my, my weakest subject. But I do know that two months minus two weeks is not two weeks. I mean, like, I, 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 I actually had the, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. I'm not... I, I had the lowest GPA of my graduating class in high school. Now, after I... Um, was in the, after I finished my seventh grade year in, in um, California, we moved to Oregon. 
And uh, so I went to mi- finish my middle school and my high school in Oregon. And then, we, uh, then I graduated from high school in Oregon, in, in Medford, Oregon, from uh, Crater High School in Central Point, Oregon. But um, I had the lowest, the lowest GPA of my graduating class. Now, there were people who had lower GPAs, but they didn't graduate. <laughs> They, they were the ones that, that, they were the ones that, they were super seniors. They loved our, they loved to watch our football team lose so badly. They wanted to try, you know, to hang around for one more year. And so, uh, but I'm telling you this because I'm going to share some testimonies of what God has done through the boy who grew up in the middle of nowhere in Secret Valley, California, that just outside of Susanville, that never didn't have anything that had the lowest GPA of his graduating high school class. But then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And because I got filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, praise God, that he gives us power to be a witness. And so actually it was my sophomore year and I was having a biology class and I had my, my, my GPA in that biology class was so low that no matter what I did, even if I got all A's on all my projects and papers and tests, I wasn't going to get credit for the class. It was that low. And so we had a teacher, his name was Mr. Ledbetter. And Mr. Ledbetter was trying to tell us that we evolved from monkeys and apes and that, you know, all these things. And he was teaching evolution. And I thought, I'm not going grad- to pass this class anyhow, so why am I going to sit here and listen to Mr. Ledbetter tell me I'm from, you know, I evolved from a monkey? And so, uh, um, and a lot of people called him Mr. Bedwetter. I don't know. I, I don't think I did that, but I, I, I wouldn't necessarily have put it past me either. But so... It just kind of rhymed. Hope there's no Leadbetters in it. I, I normally, is there any Leadbetters? Okay, good. <laughs> and so, um, I'm, I love that you guys like to laugh, but uh, I think this is the, the happiest church I've ever been to. But, um, and so, uh, praise God. So, so I was sitting, so I, I filled out the form to drop the class, and I would sit outside during that class time, out, actually outside on the grass, outside of my biology classroom, where I could like kind of see the see in the, in the window, and I'd read my Bible. And that's where I got filled with the Holy Ghost during biology class. And so then God gave me the power to be a witness. And actually, I had, um, when I was in elementary school in, in Johnstonville, California, which is just outside of Susanville, where, where I went to elementary school, I, I was really quiet and really shy. I, I didn't talk to anybody, and, I, and uh, they actually sent me to counseling because I didn't talk to anybody, so I was shy. I, didn't, I would have never stood up in front of uh, like this. And, and, uh, and when I, I was clinically shy. So like some of you think, well, some of you have, have made this excuse, like I don't share the gospel with people because I'm quiet and shy and, and I, I don't like to talk to people. Well, I was clinically shy. Because when I went in the military, when I went in the military, they, they made me fill out forms and tell, they said, if you've ever seen a doctor for anything, like a hangnail or, you know, anything, we want you to write it down and get the records because they didn't want somebody that was like broken and dilapidated coming to try to serve in the military. And so they like scared me. They said, if you don't tell us, if, if, you, if, if you have a, any medical history that you don't tell us about, and then we find out about it later, you'll get a dishonorable discharge and you won't even be able to work at McDonald's. And so I'm like, oh, well, I, you know what, that happened. So I, so I went back and thinking of anything I'd gone to, and I went back. And so I went back to my elementary school and to the psychologist that I was going to when I was in elementary school, because they sent me there because I wouldn't talk to anybody. I didn't have any friends, and I was really quiet. And so they sent me, they, so I got the paperwork. So I, I have documented proof that I was shy. So most of you aren't documented, you aren't <laughs> clinically shy, you just, you just don't like to talk to people. And then I got, but so then I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he gave me power to be a witness. And he gave me his grace. And he gave me his wisdom. And he gave me his favor. 
Praise God. And so um, God's been so good to me. Um, but it, so, so make, going back to the story of the, the, the two months becoming two weeks, um, he said, do you, you want to go? And I said, yeah, I, I knew that I was supposed to go, but I don't know how I'm going to get to China. I, two weeks, but I had to get $3,000. I had to get a passport and a visa and an airline ticket. And, and I had two weeks to do it. And it all came in supernaturally in a week. Just God was able to, he, he gave us the wisdom and the ideas that we, I was up in, I was living in Virginia. And so we drove up to DC and I was able to get my passport and able to hand carry my passport over to the Chinese embassy and get my visa. And then the money came in from my, uh, an uncle in Southern California that had, um, didn't really have much of a relationship with, but he paid the whole thing and I got my plane ticket and, and all in a week. And then two weeks later, I was on a plane to Shanghai. Now you all say Shanghai, but you pronounce it wrong. It's like people that say Oregon. If you're not, if you're, people in California don't do that because they're close enough. But I go to the East Coast and they say, where are you from? I say, Oregon. And they say, you mean Oregon? I'm like, no, it didn't go nowhere. It's still, it's still there. And, but, so it's, it's Shanghai because the word Shang is on and the word high is ocean. It's a port city. It's on the ocean. So it's Shanghai. And so I, I got a plane and I was on, my, on the plane. I landed in Shanghai and I looked out the window of the plane and I, and, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, this is home. And so I did what every dumb young married man would do. I sent my wife an email from China and I said, pray about moving to China because this is what I feel God has for us. And, and she spent the next two weeks crying and I spent the next two, and you laugh, she cried and you laugh. even some of the women laughed. Like, it's funny, like, <laughs> and so uh, I can expect the men to laugh, but do you think the women at least have some sympathy? <laughs> And so uh, she spent the next two weeks crying, and I spent the next two weeks teaching pastors and leaders of the underground house church in China. And I got back and I, to, to America and to, to Virginia, and I said, you know, what do you think? And she said, well, I, I don't want to go. I, I don't, you know, we, we were happy. We were at a very small church there, um, but we were serving, and we, um, we loved the church, and they had a little Christian school, and she was a teacher at the Christian school, and it was family. You know, you guys are, you know, the thing I love about churches this size is you know everybody, and it's family, and it, you get, I've been in big churches, and I, I, like, small, I like smaller churches because it's family. You, get to, you actually get to know people, and there's some accountability, and people know if you're missing and things, and so um, I've, I, I, I love churches like this, and so... Um, but uh, so uh, I said, what do you think? She said, well, let's plan a trip to go for uh, a, couple, a couple weeks and just check it out. And then so then I went back to I had a secular job and I went back to my secular job and went back to doing ministry at the church. And about two weeks later, she came and uh, she said, uh, when are we going to China? And I said, you mean to check it out? And she said, no, I feel like, you know, I know the Holy Spirit has confirmed, confirmed it in my heart. And that we're supposed to move there. And I want to be obedient to God. And so uh, her first short-term mission trip was uh, a year and a half. Anybody want to do a short-term mission trip? <clears throat> and so, um, and we just assumed that since for the first trip, all the money and everything just fell in line in a week, we assumed, Lord, if we commit to moving there, surely it'll be just as easy, right? And so um, uh, we started raising support and I, I Talked to my pastor, and he confirmed he was, he was on board with it and gave his blessing, even though he didn't want us to leave. And, and so we started sending out letters and trying to raise support. And we were tremendous support raisers. We, we raised $35 a monthly support. So someday I'm going to write a book about you know, support raising, and it's going to be titled, What Not to Do. And uh, 
So uh, it, my son was conceived and he was born. And when he was um, seven months old, we, we moved over there. And a few months, you know, right after he'd been born, I'm having this conversation with God, like, God, you know, you realize we don't have any partners yet. Like, other than it was $35 of support was coming from another uncle in, in, in uh, Santa Ana, and then a, a small city, senior citizen Sunday school class at a Baptist church in, in Virginia, in Williamsburg, Virginia. And so between the two of them, they were doing $35 a month. And so I'm like, God, you know, you realize what's going on here, you know, like we, I've, we, and we, we had, we made the decision. So we, I gave notice at my job and then they tried to give me more money to stay. And I was making good money there. Anyhow, I'd worked up from like $7 and 50 cents and I was making like $60,000 a year from that at that job. And then they were trying to get me more to stay. And then, uh, I'd already given notice, we were renting a house, and I gave notice at the, to the, the landlord that we were leaving, so he found somebody else to rent the house. My job, I trained my replacement there, and then at the church, I was training people to take over for me, so I didn't have anywhere to live, I didn't have anywhere to, to work, I didn't have anywhere to do ministry, and, and we'd already committed to going, and so I said, God, you know, what am I supposed to do? And I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, would you go if nobody supported you? Are you going to obey me no matter what anybody else does? or not. And so we said, well, we're going to go. And so we left and God's been faithful. We never went hungry. And now we've got all kinds of other things going on, but <laughs> praise God. So I say that is to just to tell you, encourage you. So anybody want to move to China with $35 of monthly support and a seven month old baby? Anybody? <laughs> okay. You, this is a smart church right here. You got a smart church pastor because now, and I, now I tell you, I've only had three people that have ever raised their hand in, you know, I travel all around to churches and I've told this story many, many times, and I've only had three people that raised their hand and said they wanted to move to China with $35 a month of support and a seven-month-old baby. And one of them was a guy who'd done a lot of drugs, and he'd been set free, but he was still receiving his healing. So he didn't really, he wasn't really, he wasn't all there. And the other one was a lady that wasn't paying attention real good, and so she, when she realized what she'd agreed to, she quickly retracted her agreement. And then the third one was this little girl, just precious, like, nine-year-old girl that um, was serious. She just wanted to, she loved God. And your Bible tells us to be like, a, like faith of the child. For like a little child, we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so um, she, she actually gave something very precious to her in the offering, sowing towards, and I, yeah, she's going to do something for, great for God because she has, she's like, I don't care. I'm just, I'm going to serve God. And so we all should have that, that attitude. But but I do understand you not wanting to go like that. I mean, there's, there's better ways to go. <laughs> and so, um, but God's been so good to us. He's been so faithful. Hallelujah. I want to share a scripture with you this morning. Daniel chapter 13. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. One of my favorite scriptures. Daniel eleven thirty two. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the word. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I want to focus on the second part of this verse. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, you know, you're looking at your life, you're looking at your past your present, and your future. And maybe you're looking through, if you're a hunter, you're looking through the scope, but if you're not a hunter, 
you're looking through your binoculars and you're looking at your past and your present and you're looking to the future through the binoculars and you don't see any great exploits in your life, then something has to change. There's got to be some adjustments. You know, when you have your GPS, you know how it works? Your GPS has an antenna and it, it, it finds out first where you're at. And then when it knows where you're at, it's able to calculate to figure out how to get you where you're going. So it, it, like one of my vehicles, uh, or my, my vehicle in China has a GPS it has, it, on the car. It's got an external antenna and sometimes it kind of flops off to the side. And if it gets down where it's not getting a signal, it doesn't know where I'm at. So it doesn't know to tell me where I need to be. So if you're here this morning and, and you're, I'm here to like help you figure out where you're at so you can figure out where you need to be. Where you need to be is you need to be strong and you need to be carrying out great exploits. And I'm sure that's some of you this morning. Maybe most of you, maybe all of you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any of you really. Just and so, but if you're not, if you say I've never, I've really never done any exploits for God. No, no great exploits. I've never. I'm not doing one now, and I'm not. I don't have any in the future. My future plans, or I don't see them in my in my binoculars. Well, first thing I would tell you is being part of this local church is a great exploit, Amen. because this church is impacting the community. It's impacting families. It's impacting lives. And so you, you praying for your pastors and praying for the leadership at the church and praying for your brothers and sisters and praying for the missionaries you're supporting and you guys are sending the, 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 the gospel and sending finances and praying for missionaries around the world. Amen. Praise God. So you are part of a great exploit. You are, you are doing a, a great exploit, but here it says they'll do great exploits, which means you need more than one. So we want to, this morning, to encourage you to believe God for greater things, for bigger things, to expand your, your influence in the world. Because how many know the, the world's getting darker? And we need to be a light. Now, some people, it, we've seen some really crazy things in the last year and a half, right? And, and, and we know that we're in the last days. We know that Jesus is coming back. But I, I want to just encourage you, don't just start running up your credit cards and just quit your job and just, you know, because you think Jesus is coming back tomorrow because it might not be tomorrow. We got to live like he's coming back today, but p- prepare and plan like he's not coming back in our lifetime. And I'll tell you one reason, you know, the scripture that says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end shall come. That word nations is the word ethnos. I'm not going to pull it up. I I just felt led to share this. But the word nations is the word ethnos. It's not geopolitical nations like we know today. Like the nation of China, the nation of India, the nation of America, the nation of Mexico. It's not geopolitical nations. The word ethnos is the word, it's where we get the word, what's the word? I can't, but ethnicity or ethnic, like his ethnic group. And it means a people who has the same language and culture and they live together and they, 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 and so the gospel has to not only, it's not like, okay, we preach the gospel in China and so now China's covered and we preach the gospel in India and now India's covered because there's, a, there's an organization called um, the Joshua Project who keeps track of all this and they say that there's 
probably more than 6,000 unreached people ethnos, people groups in the world that have their own separate language, their own separate culture, their own, and they, and that have, they're unreached. So you might be around here, and I could be wrong. So like I said, plan and prepare like he's coming back today. Live your life holy and repent and if you need to repent and live for Jesus like he's coming back today. But you might want to plan for a little longer because I believe that there's a whole lot of people and I see them in China. We, we meet people every day in remote villages and tribes up in the mountains where they've, on a regular basis where they've never heard the gospel, never heard the name of Jesus. And so it could be, I know things are getting bad, but some of you that are, that are a little older, you probably remember... 40, well, it'll go more than that, but 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, if there's anybody who's 80 or older, that there were some bad times on and off, and everybody thought that was going to be, this has got to be the end, right? Anybody, anybody remember? That there's, yeah, so there's some times when, this is not the first time you've heard it was the end. <laughs> and I know there are signs, I know there's more signs, I know we're getting closer to the end, I mean, it's, you've got to be getting closer to the end because we've gone years ahead. But the Bible says that it, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness in all, the world, as, uh, in all the world, as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. It'll be preached as a witness to all ethnos, to all ethnic groups, people that have the same language and culture. And so in China, there's, there's hundreds of different ethnos. They have their own language, their own culture, their own cultural dress. They're up in remote villages up in like the middle of nowhere. And India has the same thing. And all throughout the Middle East, the 1040 window, it's a section of it. You can, I'm not going to explain what it is, but you can look it up if you, or ask me afterwards. But so don't just give up on preaching the gospel and living for Jesus. Don't run up your credit card debt because you think Jesus is coming back next year because of 2020 and COVID. The Bible doesn't say COVID will come to the world as a witness and then the end will come. Hallelujah. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul said, let's turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we know that the Apostle Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. How do we know that? Because he was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, and he was killed for his faith. Now, I'm not asking you to be beaten, stoned, prisoned, and killed for your faith, but the, the reason he was beaten, stoned, imprisoned, and killed for his faith was because there was evidence, there was proof he was sharing the gospel on a regular basis. He wasn't stopping. He was said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm going to share the gospel. And so we're going to locate you again this morning. You know, you and I, we know if we're not ashamed of the gospel, if we're sharing the gospel. So if you haven't shared the gospel with anybody in the last year, 10 years, five years, the last six months, the last month, 
the last week, the last, the last day, there's, then you fit into one of three categories. You're either ashamed of the gospel, and because you're ashamed of it, you don't want to share the gospel. Now, I'm going to say that that's probably not anybody in this room, because if you're ashamed of the gospel, you probably wouldn't be in church this morning. So you're probably not in that group. I hope you're not. If you are in that group, you probably need to get born again, and then and we'll have an opportunity to receive Christ. Come up, we'll share with you, we'll, we'll minister to you, we'll, 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 we'll help you. Or maybe you're... You just don't know how to share the gospel. You haven't. The Bible says to study, to show yourself approved. A workman needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You got to study the word of God and you got to have knowledge and, and understanding and get the word in your heart so that you can be an effective witness. Or maybe you're just shy, like I said I was. You're, or you, you say, my personality is just, and God gives everybody different personalities. So I'm not asking everybody to be the same. But it's not okay to be so quiet and shy that you don't share the gospel. That's not acceptable. It's just not, it's not an option. If I give you, it's not, if there's a multiple choice test, it could be, you know, you could have a lot of options there, but being too quiet and too shy to share the gospel is not an option. You're like, you're looking for it on the test. You're like, where, which one do I bubble in? Okay, I, um, Jesus told me not to share the gospel. That, that's definitely not it. Um, Jesus said the gospel had already been shared with everybody. Okay, well, that's not it. Jesus said, it's not my responsibility. I'm called to, uh, I'm called to do something else. That's not it, because the Bible says we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. And you're like, well, shoot, my answer's not even on there. I'm too shy and quiet. God's like, that's not an option. God doesn't give that as an option. He said when you, in the book of Acts, he said that you'd receive the Holy Spirit. You'd receive, you'd be filled with the Holy Ghost. You'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he'd give you power to be a witness. Witnesses have to open their mouths. It's just how it works. If you stand before the court as a witness and you don't open your mouth and you've been, and you've been given us, you've been, been called by the court and, and charged to testify, what is that, a subpoena or you're, you've been you give in, give a subpoena to come and testify, and you don't testify, you're going to get in trouble. And God's called us to be a witness and to be a light. So you're either ashamed of the gospel, not, not any of you. Those, that's at Mississippi church again. <laughs> or, now I'll tell you when I'm in Mississippi, I say the California church. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> and so, just jokingly, of course. But, um, and so you're either ashamed of the gospel, not you, or you don't know how to share the gospel, which means you have a responsibility. The Bible says that we're, we're stewards of the gospel. We literally get, we're stewards of the manifold grace of God. We're stewards of the word of God. You've been given a gift more precious than anything. The Bible talks about it as if it was precious treasure that was the kingdom of, of God. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that was buried in a field and you sell everything. If you knew that there was a, say there's a piece of land or a lot, just a lot next to your house that was empty and you were walking across it and that you tripped and you saw this, this gold bar in the ground. Now, a lot of people would just steal the gold bar and go on their way, but not you as Christians because you're, you've got some scruples about you, right? 
Now, yeah, if it was a Mississippi church, they might just steal the gold bar, but not, not here in California. And so, uh, if you're watching from Mississippi, we love you, but, but stop stealing the gold. And so, uh, so you would take and you'd sell your house, especially with the price of gold. You know, you might sell everything. You'd, you'd be looking for things to sell, sell your car, and you'd buy that lot, and then you'd go over there and take the gold and sell it, and then you go buy your house back, build another house on that lot maybe. But that's what the Bible says the kingdom of God is, and so we have something more precious than silver and gold. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, Proverbs, one more scripture, and then I'm going to share some more about what we've been doing, but Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. Proverbs 11:30 says, the fruit of of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in the world. The Bible says there's the wisdom of this world. There's devilish wisdom, just carnal, natural wisdom. There's, there's demonic wisdom, but then there's the wisdom of God. Now, you all, you all are wise in some areas. You know, the, the neat thing about wisdom is you can be wise in one area, but completely foolish in another or unwise, or lacking wisdom. Like all of you in this room are probably wise enough not to walk out on I-5 and step out in front of a tractor trailer. Hopefully. And, if you, and, and now I say that, but there's people that are suicidal to do that. If you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, we're not making light of that. Come forward after the service and we'll minister to you. We'll pray with you. We'll, we're here to, to help you. But there's a wisdom, there's wisdom. We all teach our kids the wisdom. You look both ways before you cross the street. You don't step out in front of the tractor trailer or the semi, whatever you want to call it. And so you all have wisdom not to do that. And then maybe there's wisdom for your finances. And so some of you have got wisdom to the point where God's got you out of debt and he's working you out of debt and he's, he's working on your finances, getting everything in order. And, and there's other people possibly in this room or maybe in Mississippi that they just have not received God wis- God's wisdom for finances. And so there's, they're struggling and they're getting further and further into debt. And sometimes it's not even your fault. Maybe it just, you lost your job or something happened beyond your control. And so your finances are in a mess, but you know what? The, the neat thing about it is God's merciful and his wisdom is available for your finances. His wisdom is available for crossing the street. His wisdom is available for your job or your business, your children, your wife, your family, your marriage. God's wisdom is available. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and he won't hold it back. He gives it liberal. But the Bible says here in Proverbs eleven thirty that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. So if you're not winning souls, it means you're lacking wisdom in that area. And it doesn't just mean, you know, you're not going to stand before God and be like, well, God, you know, I didn't have the wisdom to do it. So, you know, give me a, give me a break. He's going to say, I already told you how to get the wisdom. You need to ask me. The wisdom is in the word of God. And so... If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I haven't done any exploits for God. And I believe with the exploits, it should be like this. We should have just, we should have just come out of an exploit. Like, I, you can see it in your rearview mirror. Like, I just finished up an exploit for the glory of God. And then I'm smack dab in the middle of an exploit. 
And then I've got, I'm planning and praying and preparing and focused on the, the upcoming exploits. You should, it should be a continual cycle of finishing an exploit, in an exploit, planning and preparing for the next exploit. And God's grace is there for that. But if you're here this morning and you say, well, you know what, I don't really have any exploits going on in my life, or I haven't, I don't want you to go out and try to do an exploit. Don't just be like, well, I'm going to go do an exploit. You know, just pull all your money out of the bank and, you know, take your vacation days and then, you know, I'm going to go do an exploit. Don't do that. Go get to know your God better. Not saying you're not born again. I'm not saying you haven't been forgiven. Your sins have been washed away. But the Bible says that the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So if you're not doing exploits for the kingdom of God, that you need to spend more time worshiping God, praying to God in his word. And it's vital that we come together as a church family and worship together. It's vital that we come together as a church family and read the word and study the word and hear the word together. It's vital that we come together as a church family and pray together. But it's just as vital that you're doing that at home, that you're praying and worshiping and studying the word privately at home with God. So set a timer. If, you, if you're not doing it at all, set a timer and give yourself what we, what we do, what we make a priority. If you own a house this morning, it's because you made it a priority to buy a house. If you own a business, it's because you made it a priority. If you own a certain car that you really wanted and you have that car, it's because you made it a priority and then you took the steps to get there. Hallelujah. So I just want to encourage you. And then, you know what? Just this real quick. We believe in, and I asked this question earlier, how many believe that we, believers lay hands on the sick and they recover? The neat thing about that scripture is the more you lay hands on other people, the, the better it'll work for you when you need it. Not because God's, God, you're not doing works. It's not like God's like, well, if you lay hands on 100 people, then I'll heal you because you, you worked enough, you did enough works to, to, to earn your healing. Jesus already provided your healing. But if you believe that there's healing power in your hand, you'll lay your hands on other people and pray for them and the healing power of God will flow into their bodies and they'll be healed. But, it, but if you don't believe it, then you won't do it. If, if you believed you had in your medicine cabinet a drug that could cure your friend or family member or neighbor's cancer and they had cancer, would you not pull it out of the medicine cabinet and take it over to their house and say, take one of these in the morning, one in the afternoon and one at night? If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you had faith in that medicine and you were the only one that knew about it, you'd go and you'd take that medicine and you'd, you'd give it to them. Well, if you really believed in the doctrine of laying on of hands, which the Bible says is a foundational, fundamental doctrine, it's basically the beginning, it's the very fundamental doctrine. If you really believed in the doctrine of laying on hands, you'd be laying hands on others. So it works because of faith. So I encourage you to start laying hands on others because then when you need it, if you need it, by the grace and God, mercy of God, you won't. We can walk in health. But as you stir yourself up in faith, as you build your faith, as you develop your faith concerning that, it'll be a lot easier for you to receive healing when, it, when you need hands laid on you. Because you'll have faith in it. You'll be like, man, when I prayed for all these other people, because I had faith in, the, in, the, in the, the gift of laying out of hands, they got healed. 
and I was obedient because I believe in it. And then when it comes to where you need it, you'll be like, man, this is just how it works. I, I lay hands on people, they get healed. People lay hands on me, I get healed. It's just, a, it's a, it's just, just how it works. Hallelujah. So I'll just real quick in the next few minutes give you an overview of what we've been doing in China. Uh, we have 11 Bible schools in China, one in Laos and one in Myanmar, with a total of 396 students. So our main focus is training up nationals to hear the gospel and training them to preach the gospel and reach their nation. We've planted over 50 churches in China, small house churches. Uh, we, one of, right now we have one of our, one of our Bible school students, uh, not one of, our, one of our, the students from one of our Bible schools and one of our instructors. So 11 students and one instructor that have been in jail for over a year and 10 months. Yeah, the police came, the, the Religious Affairs Bureau came and busted the, the school up and arrested them and they've been in jail for over a year and 10 months. And so, uh, but we're pressing along. And we've expanded. We, we, we led a brothel owner to Christ that was trafficking girls. He got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and shut the brothel down. And now he's helping us rescue girls from other brothels. And so we've got, praise God, we've got two homes. We have two homes with girls that we've rescued from sex trafficking. And then when we rescue them, not only do we rescue them, but we set them up with businesses and jobs and teach them life skills and job skills and business skills. And so we have a coffee company that we've set up where, do you drink coffee? Do you grind your own beans? So there's some coffee for you from that. But, um, and so we, we import beans from Thailand. Those are Thailand beans, but also from other countries. And then the proceeds from that coffee company, we import the green beans and then roast them and the proceeds go to helping the girls. And so then we, we teach them. So they hand weave these coasters. They harvest the material, the, the, the plant, and then they, they soak it in water and hand weave the co- coasters. And then we set them up um, and they make bracelets. And then... Not, not the yarn, just the bracelets. And so they make bracelets. And so, and then we've, one of the girls, uh, we sent her to cosmetology school. She, she graduated and we helped her a few months ago start a, a, her own salon. And so we're setting up with jobs and businesses and God's given us wisdom to help them. Um, and we're teaching them how to read. These are young girls. So most of them were orphans or on the street. And so they didn't even know how to read. So we're teaching them how to read and they're getting healed and delivered and set free physically, spiritually, emotionally. Mentally, praise God. And uh, hallelujah. We go into leper villages. There's 129 leper villages in our province. They're small villages, about 1,000 lepers total. Um, and so we go into leper villages and preach the gospel. And then we build shower, shower buildings in, in the leper villages. How many are thankful for showers? Okay, if your, if your neighbor didn't raise their hand and they're not thankful for their shower, it's probably because they're thankful for their bath. And if they're not thankful for the shower or their bath, you feel free to move. <laughs> and so, but we build shower buildings in the leper villages so they can take a bath. And then we build water holding tanks during the rainy season. They can store water to use during the dry seasons. And we've seen entire leper villages come to Christ. And uh, uh, we, we do agricultural projects. We go up in the mountains where they've never heard the gospel, never heard the name of Jesus. And we preach the gospel and plant churches. And we do agricultural projects. We do goat loans. So I grew up in Secret Valley. We had goats, and so we, I raise goats now. And, uh, but we do a goat, a goat, a herd, herds of goats. We loan them the system, and then as they, as they breed the goats and the goats reproduce, it, they're able to repay the loans. It brings them out of poverty. And the neat thing about goat meat in China is it's three or four times as valuable as chicken and pork and, and beef. 
And so it really helps them. And then we do aquaponic systems, which is where you raise fish and then you use the fish fertilizer to grow f- uh, vegetables. And so we, set, we, we loan them aquaponic systems and it brings them out of poverty. And so it's not just giving them a fish, but it's teaching them how to fish. And it brings them out of poverty and teach them, the, teach them and the, the, just real quick, the, the word for Jesus in Chinese is Yesu. Like you say, Jesus loves you. You say, Yesu Aini. Well, the word for coconuts is Yedza. So it's Yesu, Yedza, Yesu, Yedza, Yesu, Yedza. So I've literally said, Yesu Aini. And because they never heard the name of Jesus, never heard the gospel, they thought I was saying that coconuts love them. And so I had to explain to them that, no, it's not coconuts that love you, but it's Jesus that loves you. And so, because they'd never heard the name of Jesus. And so we have so much to be thankful for in America, that we have the gospel, we have the the truth of the word of God. We do abortion prevention and abortion alternatives. We've helped women, many women and families choose life um, uh, over abortion. And um, God's just been so good to us. He's been so faithful. And now, obviously, we have more than $35 a month of support. um, And uh, we wouldn't be able to do all the things that we do if we didn't. And so... um, we thank you for allowing me to share the word, for um, being able to um, encourage you in the word, and also um, um, hearing what God's been doing. Uh, he's been, well, we also have an orphanage. One last thing. We have an orphanage in, in Thailand. Um, they're um, Myanmar or Burmese refugee orphans, and we have 69 of them that we feed and clothe and, and educate. They basically, the, the Burmese government or the Myanmar government killed all their parents and they fled as refugees from, from Myanmar over into Thailand and into refugee camps. And we took one of those refugee camps on and we um, were teaching them the word of God and teaching them how to read and, and ministering to them. And so God's been so good to us. He's faithful. And the thing I say as I'm leaving is uh, those same stories, the testimonies of the goodness of God, we're sending the gospel into North Korea using pigeons, and you'll have to hear that story next time, but, and using technology. But the thing about it is God gives us wisdom when we ask, and he'll, he'll do things through you. He'll do exploits through you if you know him. And so the same things he's doing through us over there, leading brothel owners to Christ and getting people set free and healed and delivered, he wants to do it here in California through you. And it doesn't matter that you might not be educated or you had a low GPA or you came from the middle of nowhere or you don't have a lot of money because that's where I came from. And God will use you because he'll give you power to be a witness. Praise God. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.